This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Rappaport to the rescue with award-winning animal advocate Jill Rappaport. Welcome to Rappaport to the Rescue. I'm Jill Rappaport. Very excited for today's show because we get to focus on my other favorite animal in the world, the horse. Boy, do I love horses. Not only am I so blessed to have my amazing rescue dogs that are with me 24-7, but right out my door, which has been a dream come true of mine since I was a little girl, are my beloved horses. And I have four of them, ranging in ages from 15 to 24. And I've had them since they were very young. And for me, this really is a dream come true. When I was a little girl, I was so obsessed with horses. I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. And my favorite movie, National Velvet, the one with Elizabeth Taylor. I'm dating myself a little bit, but what the heck, it's true. I used to sit on a neighbor's fence. She had one of those post and rail fences. And it looked like a pasture fence. I didn't have that at my house. So I would literally go next door, sit on the fence and take my hand and pet an imaginary horse in the air, dreaming one day that it would be my fence in my backyard, petting that horse. Can you imagine what those neighbors thought or anybody driving by like, what is wrong with that little girl? Well, here I am many, many decades later, sitting on my post and rail fence, petting my horses that I adore so much. And I have to tell you, if they could live in my house, they would. They are so affectionate, so loving. When I walk into their stalls, they put their head on my shoulders. One of my horses, Ranger, is a true character. I always say if they were casting for the show Mr. Ed today, he would be the top contender. He literally talks to me when I walk into the barn. And I feel so lucky because I was able to focus some of my career on these wonderful animals by writing a book called People We Know, Horses They Love, which was a New York Times bestseller and featured the one and only Robert Redford on the cover. I like to call him Bob. And what a photo shoot that was. My sister, the very talented Linda Solomon, was the photographer for the book. We went to Utah. Here I get out of the car. Bob is on this golden, majestic Palomino. And I walk up to him, and I'm talking to him, and Linda's clicking away, click, click, click. And I'm starting the interview, and I'm in tall grass, gazing up into his gorgeous eyes and that beautiful blonde hair and that smile, thinking, Hubble, Hubble. (laughs) And he looks down at me and he says, Jill, I have to tell you, you better be careful. In that grass, there could be some deadly snakes. And I just looked at him. I said, well, Bob, if I die looking up at you, it's okay. (laughs) He got a chuckle out of that and, oh, got to see those beautiful teeth again. But I'm very excited to focus today's show on these wonderful animals with my guest, whose name is synonymous with the horse. She's not only one of the top show jumpers in the world. She has made it her life's mission to give back to steeds in need. When we come back, Georgina Bloomberg will be joining us. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, 
front paw sleeves and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Rappaport to the Rescue. I'm Jill Rappaport. My guest today, Georgina Bloomberg, who is a star in the equestrian world. And as a professional show jumper, Bloomberg represented the U.S. equestrian team at the 2015 Pan American Games in Toronto, Canada, where she earned a team bronze medal. In addition to her amazing riding career, Bloomberg has co-authored four young adult novels about the equestrian show circuit. But it's her philanthropic efforts, especially her extensive animal welfare work, that truly resonates with her heart and soul. Georgina Bloomberg is the daughter of former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who also ran for president in the 2020 election, and he is considered to be one of the most philanthropic people in the world, obviously passing on the need to do good deeds onto his daughter. And Georgina is joining us today with Valerie Angeli, who is the VP of Engagement for the Equus Foundation the only national animal welfare agency in the United States, which is 100% focused on horse welfare. And she's also the director of engagement for the new Long Island University College of Veterinary Medicine. Welcome, ladies. It is so great to have you on Rappaport to the Rescue. And George, this is the first show since I started where we're focusing on horses. And I yeah, I'm excited. Anyone better to start with than you, <laughs> the premier equestrian but what I love about you is that not only is it your career, your passion, but where your heart lies is the welfare part of this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I've been extremely lucky to be able to ride and to be able to do what I love. And, you know, it was really just natural for me to be able to find a way to give back. When I met Valerie, she was, you know, so involved in equine welfare and really guided me, showed me what the important issues were, and made me aware of a lot of things I think a lot of us riders even are not aware of. And she was really the one that got me involved in everything. And then as our friendship grew and we got to know each other, I gained a whole new respect for her and for her work. And so I've sort of followed her, her lead wherever she went. And now with the Equus Foundation, we're able to work together and I'm able to give back to the animals that have given me so much. And you know, Valerie, you have done such incredible work with the Equus Foundation. You have done so much to raise awareness, to take these top riders, not only Georgina, but Brian Gutal, Jessica Springsteen, the names go on and on, and really spread the message that these horses deserve a second life, that it's not just about showing and winning. They deserve to have quality of life for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. Well, you guys made it easy for me because, you know, being creative is the best thing that you can do to bring awareness to something. And Jill, I want to thank you because you helped me create one of the first adoption days at the Hampton Classic Horse Show. And then Georgina jumped in as part of that. And that's how we met, George. But it's all this passion and all of these great ideas and all of these interesting, new, innovative ways to reach an audience that maybe didn't even so much want to hear about the dark side of the equestrian world. 
you know, and we've been doing that. We've been creatively showing, you know, horses that are rescued, what that looks like. Look in the eyes of a horse that almost went to slaughter that, you know, was a horse. Maybe your, your child was riding just a short time ago and lost his job. It's tragic what happens to the horses that fall through the cracks. And there are many, many thousands that do. So, I love creating awareness. It's been one of my greatest pleasures because I've been a horse person since I was a kid. Never rode on the level that Georgina did, but it nobody was does. <laughs> nobody does. It was my dream too, but I grew up showing and riding and lucky enough to have a horse of my own that lived till 40. And I swore to him that whatever I could do to give back to horses that need a voice and help because there's so many behind the scenes. And I love that you guys are helping me and the Equus Foundation and or organizations like that get the message out to people that need to hear it. And also people who have the ability to help the resources to help make a difference. Well, and it's so important because Georgina, you come from such a wonderful family of philanthropic people. Your mm-hmm. dad gives back more than anybody. And I think that he raised you, obviously, and your wonderful mother, Susan, mm-hmm. to know the importance of giving back. And I know just from seeing pictures of your home, it's like Noah's Ark where you live. (laughs) I mean, you rescue everything, not only from horses, ponies, but to pigs. Yeah, absolutely. No, we have um, a very odd selection of animals. We have a rooster, goat, we had a pigeon at one point. We have, we have them all. None of them were really planned. They were just animals that we sort of, you know, came across on the way that needed homes. And like, I think most people do, we just couldn't come up with a reason not to give them a home. So that's, um, I think, pretty common in, um, in people sort of adopting animals when they think they can do something to help, they do. And once you start, it's very difficult to stop. So you're forgetting two important creatures in your menagerie. Oh, I mean, Oh, yes. And so actually, I, I completely forgot. Valerie and I are co-parents of two beautiful cows. And, you know, it's just we're, we've been very lucky. We've had some, you know, the opportunity to be able to give these animals a home. And, you know, I think each time you rescue an animal, you're sort of awakened to, you know, a whole set of issues that either you didn't know about or you feel more passionate about and you want to tell other people. And, yeah, it's been a really fun, fun journey to be able to do so. I Like you said, I've come from a family that has always placed a lot of importance on giving back and not just writing a check, which obviously, you know, is something that we feel very lucky to be able to do. And we understand that it helps organizations, but we were also always raised to say, listen, if this is something we're passionate about, we are going to roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty and be hands on. And thankfully I I found my passion early in life. I always knew it was animals and I've been lucky enough to be able to turn around and make a difference in their lives. And, you know, when you look at horses, okay, it's a huge commitment. So when people are listening to this, they say, wow, well, how can I help? I don't have a backyard. I don't have a barn. You know, it's not like rescuing a dog, which some people consider a huge commitment as well. For people out there who want to make a difference, who don't have the facility to house a horse, Valerie, Mm -hmm. talk about that. And, And Georgina, too. What can people do? Because this is a dire situation. Well, awareness is everything. Knowing that there is this issue I mean, I'm going to give you a good situation here, you know, whereas just a few years ago, there were over 100,000 horses a year that went to slaughter. And these are viable, healthy, young horses that could have had potential to be anything. So many horses wind up going to slaughter to meet the demand for human consumption in other countries. That number is going down, which is an amazing thing. One of the reasons we think that might be the case is because of awareness and because of what we're doing now. 
the Equus Foundation funds reputable charities across the country that are doing the work of rescuing, rehoming, retraining these horses, and then getting the next one in. So horses off the racetrack that just aren't fast enough. You know, they used to be in jeopardy and a lot of them still are, but now there are all kinds of programs and organizations that retrain them and get them back out as therapy horses, riding horses, sport horses. Georgina actually adopted a rescued mini horse for her son, Jasper. That horse came from Omega Horse Rescue, who is on the Aquas Foundation Network. That was a slaughter-bound mini horse, as many of them are. They're overbred as fad pets. It's about money. Horses are commodities, unfortunately, still. So looking at a rescue as your next horse would be the greatest thing ever. Georgina saved a life and in so doing inspired so many people who fell in love with Teddy. Giving is something absolutely for sure. Adopting, but also awareness. Social media is such a huge component of what we all do now. Spreading the word helping us get the message out about animals at risk. How many are out there that need homes? And another thing that people can do, which is huge, is volunteer. Anyone who's ever wanted to ride or wants a horse of their own, can't afford one, guess what? There's a horse rescue near you that desperately needs your help. And the two key words are rehoming and repurposing, because after they have one life doing one thing, That doesn't mean their life is over. And Georgina, you've had so many top show horses. When their career in the show ring is over, they still stay part of your family. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we have a lot of horses that might not be able to compete at the top level anymore, but doesn't mean that they can't jump or be ridden or, you know, do something at a lower level. Um, And we've actually, we've, we've given some horses to some different college teams. I stay in touch with the, you know, the kids who are riding them. We always know where they are and how they're being taken care of. And when they're no longer able to be a part of their college team, they'll come back to us and they'll have a nice retirement life. But in the meantime, it's nice for them to, you know, sort of feel some extra love and to still have a purpose and a job, even if it's not necessarily jumping the high jumps that I do. And, you know, the kids really appreciate it. A lot of them are kids that would never be able to afford their own horse. And so we're able to provide them, you know, with a, with a horse to ride during college and to have the horse have a great home and lots of love. So it's a win-win. And plus the horse coming from you. I mean, anybody who's aspiring to be an acclaimed rider, that's got to be the greatest gift in the world. <laughs> that's very sweet. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's wonderful to be able to stay in touch with the kids who are, who are riding the horses and to, you know, hopefully be able to offer them some guidance along the way. And whether they continue their path of riding or not past college, you feel like you've been a part of their lives. Now, this love, this passion, this talent has now been passed on to your adorable <laughs> son, Jasper. Me being a little neurotic, I'd be so scared watching my little boy <laughs> going over these high jumps. Tell me. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a weird feeling seeing him do it. But, um, you know, it's a sport that taught me so much. You know, not only do I make some wonderful friends, but I think it, it, it teaches you appreciation of the animals. You know, he will always be an animal lover. He was born into a family of animals. And, you know, I always joke they were here first. So, you know, if you don't like them, you can leave. But, you know, it's it's important to me that my my children love and respect animals, whether they choose to be as passionate about it um, as me. I, I don't know. That's up to them. But at the same time, I always I want Jasper to find his passion in life and to realize that he can give back no matter what. And that's something that I, I really place a lot of importance on. You know, when we're walking on on the beach, we pick up garbage, we, you know, find ways to get back their hands on. I always want him to see the importance of that and to always know that, you know, like we were saying with, with being able to rescue horses or to adopt or to give back in that way, you do the most that you can, whatever that situation is. 
you know, everybody does the most they can. And whether that is, like Valerie said, going to a local rescue and walking the dog for half an hour or being able to write a big check, whatever it is, or somewhere in between, you do the most that you can do. And that's okay. Now, you inherited that wonderful philanthropy aspect from your parents, but Mm -hmm. I don't remember hearing or reading about your dad being an equestrian. (laughs) Is he into horses or does this come from your mother's side? It definitely came from my mother's side. My father does claim that he used to work at a barn and take some lessons, but we have no proof of that. So (laughs) we're not totally sure, but my, my love of horses definitely came from my mother. And, you know, I remember all the years at the Hampton Classic, sitting there, literally watching your dad (laughs) going over those jumps. My heart was in my throat. I could only imagine how he felt. But (laughs) talk about a beaming dad. So proud of you. You know, being from the family that you're from, your dad has done so much, and especially now during COVID, given millions and millions of dollars Mm -hmm. towards helping us find a cure for testing, whatever. You know, when you come from a family like that, Hopefully it's embedded in you, but sometimes it's a pressure to carry on a legacy when somebody's given back their whole lives in the way your father has. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm incredibly proud of my father and everything he's accomplished, but what I'm most proud of is the fact that he now is able to give back so much, like you said, and it's being able to give back and to help the causes that you genuinely care about. I understand now at my age that it's, it's a big luxury and it's something that I don't take lightly. And I realize that I'm incredibly lucky to be able to see something that I want to change or help and to be able to do so. And you truly are hands-on. You made a very interesting point. There's a lot of very wealthy people there that write the checks and Lord knows we need them. And that's a wonderful blessing. But to not only write the checks, but get in there and do the groundwork, the legwork, be hands-on. Right, Valerie? And to your point, if you walk into the barn, one of the barns where Georgina's retirement horses are, you will see a New York City carriage horse that's retired that lives there. You will see Juvena, who Georgina won the Central Park Horse Show Grand Prix on, superstar, but unfortunately, shortly after, came up lame, not able to be ridden. I mean, tragic, right? This is a performance horse that now has no career. She's retired in luxury in this barn with other horses that are all retirees there and the carriage horse and our two rescued cows who also live in stalls and have their Can I live there, Georgina? (laughs) (laughs) I'm moving to North Salem. (laughs) She does it right, you know, and that's one of the reasons Georgina and I bonded is because she has such tremendous respect for animals and animal welfare, but she does what she preaches. And also the first time we ever met, at the Hampton Classic, she shoved a water bottle in my face <laughs> and made sure that I recycled it because she said, if I help you during your event, I'm drinking bottles of water. We cannot be leaving plastic all over the That's place. That's true. These need to be recycled. <laughs> like this girl, at every issue, she is bang on. I mean, I she's a rabid recycler. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference between that and really walking the talk. And Georgina does just that. And it's really important because, again, I'm not in the show world. Literally, I made a joke at one of our first events together, Valerie, that I was standing next to all the top show jumpers in the world. I said, the only thing I've ever jumped over are the ropes at a Ralph Lauren sample sale. I mean, I'm, <laughs> literally, my horses are in the backyard, but I'm happy. Trails to you. I ride Western. But I have to tell you, it's very important because there's a lot of people that look at this sport and think, is that really welfare? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's obviously something that we're aware of. I mean, you see it a lot more in the racing world and in some of the other disciplines where the horses are not taken care of, you know, the way that they should be. And especially after they retire or, you know, sort of unable to, to keep competing. It's definitely a bigger problem in the racing world, but that does not mean that there are not people who either own horses or train horses that do the right thing and that are taking care of them. I'm sure it exists, obviously, in the show jumping world as well, unfortunately. I know Valerie is doing a lot to try to fix that and to make people aware that they need to be careful. Our horses can end up at slaughter too, and this can happen to anybody. And that's a big message that she always passes on and that we need to be responsible for knowing what happens if we sell a horse, if we lease a horse, that sort of thing. And it's something that we, you know, we're, we're aware of some of the criticism. We take very good care of our horses. They're you know better taken care of than any of us riders. And, you know, horses, they, they enjoy having a job. They enjoy doing things. They enjoy, you know, having a purpose and jumping things. And it's, it's what horses do. And trust me, I, I know this from a lot of experience. The horse does not want to jump. You cannot get them to jump, no matter what. So, or even um, try, yeah, like the one I have. Um, the minute I ask her horses. to move, she's like, "Forget it." <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's nothing better than when you're on course and you're jumping jumps with a horse that you can feel is really enjoying it. Um, and trust me, when when they don't enjoy it, they make it very clear. And you know, we're very careful with our horses. We don't overwork them. They're like pets to us. They're well fed. They're well taken care of. They have you know massage therapists and vets and dentists, and they're very pampered. And more than most people compete, they always have a good home with us. So we do our very best with it. And on the show side of it, I know you're competing right now as we speak. You're in Wellington. And I understand because of COVID, people cannot just get in and sit at the stands like they used to. You have to have special passes. How has that affected the competitive edge in you, Georgina? It's a bit odd. You know, we obviously have some Saturday night events that we usually love, you know, the band and the electricity of having a full crowd cheering us on. And, you know, I personally, I love being in the spotlight with sports. I I love working hard at home and then going in front of a crowd and showing that off. So it's been a bit odd. You know, there are obviously still some people there just because, you know, the community obviously can still get in, whether you're a trainer or a groom or an owner, you can still go and watch. But we really miss having the general public. We appreciate when our fans come and cheer us on and they validate our sport and they give us that competitive edge for sure. So we're missing that. And I think a lot of the athletes in different sports would say the same thing. And it's affecting the shows. I mean, the first time in history last year, the Hampton Classic canceled. I know they did a few shows throughout the year, but very limited. How do you Mm. think it will be now that, thank goodness, you know, vaccines are here finally, and we're hoping for herd immunity, hopefully by July. You think you will get back to normal by midsummer? Yeah, we're hoping so. You know, obviously the Hampton Classic is is, um, a special case in that, you know, we really rely on so much of the general public to come and the the sales at the tables. And it's one of the rare shows in America where we do get a a big crowd and a lot of people who might not necessarily know a lot about horses and who get to come and see our sport. And unfortunately, doing that without everybody coming to support us was just not financially feasible for the Hampton Classic last year. But I'm really hoping that this year and this summer, everything will be able to get back to normal. And, you know, I know that we miss having people there to support us and to root us on. And I'm hoping that that will change by August. And it's the only time every year I get to see you girls. I know. <laughs> it's our reunion every year. I definitely want to stop by. If it, there is a show this year, I want to be able to help you out. Of in course. Any way I can and, and see you and work with you. And I have to congratulate you both on unbelievable work to making awareness, making people understand it. People don't realize these horses can live well into their 30s. Mm-hmm. And we have an obligation to take care of them till their last breath. Sure. And Georgina works with all these dog rescues and dog (laughs) organizations and shelters and all kinds of animals. So 
follow her on social media and get inspired. Yeah, amazing. Like I said, Noah's Ark, and I want to go mm-hmm. live in one of those stalls. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I do too. You're always welcome. <laughs> well, thank you for having us. I appreciate having us and letting us talk animal rescue. Oh, well, thank you for being here. When we come back, the horse talk continues. <laughs> oh, what a horrible Winnie with Bill Berloni. Stay tuned. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. This is Pet Life Radio, the possumous pet party place on the planet. Dude, that's a lot of peas, baby. Yeah. Get ready for some tail wagon. Fur flying, feather flapping fun. Oh, yeah. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Rappaport to the Rescue. I'm Jill Rappaport and joined again by the one and only Bill Berloni. And Bill, it's all things horses today. And you know, we love our horses and you have one in your own backyard. That's true. When I met my wife, Dorothy, and we decided we wanted to get married, we had to sort of throw our own wedding. And Dorothy had always wanted a white Arabian horse. And we had the property. And I said to her, well, you could have a wedding or you could have a horse. And of course, she said, I want the horse. So <laughs> we registered at Home Depot so we could build the barn. And we had a very renowned friend of ours, Mark Russell, a horse trainer, find us two of the best horses. So our early years together, we're riding all the time and just being around horses. And now we don't ride as much, but Dorothy still loves having them in the backyard. She got the horse and the husband. Yep. I love it. It's not like adopting, taking in a dog, a cat, a small animal. A horse is a big commitment and it takes a big heart or a very big wallet to Mm -hmm. help these animals in need. Can you give any recommendations, Bill? Because it is a dire situation. It is, but it's our same message, Jill. Always do your research before you adopt any animal or acquire any animal. As wonderful as it may seem to have a horse in your backyard, it really is a big commitment. Bigger than a dog, maybe, but still the same commitment to making sure they're housed, they're fed, they're veterinary care, and they live many, many years. So we want all people who adopt to be thoughtful, and certainly horse people. But as the economy has gotten worse, there have been more and more horses abandoned, more and more horses you know, put up for sale. And people really need to think before they just go out and acquire a horse and then realize they can't care for it. Unlike with horses, dogs and cats are in such high demand. I have friends coming to me all the time saying, I went to my local shelter and they're practically empty. I can't get a dog. What do I do? That was never the case. Now, we don't know what's going to happen now that we're getting back to some semblance of normalcy. But with horses, they are out there in need of homes. Exactly. And you have to have a horse sense. You know, you could be good with dogs, you could be good with cats, you could be good with other animals, but unless you're really schooled in equine training, you shouldn't go out and get a horse. You should go to a stable, you should take some riding lessons. You really need to be 
well-schooled in that before you acquire one. Otherwise, just go and ride them in a good stable and enjoy them on a trail ride. But what can people do to help them? I always say donate locally. So I know like here in Connecticut, in our county, there's a draft horse rescue group and they have fundraising events. They have fairs, you know, and we go and donate, we go and buy things, we donate money. So, you know, people in their area give to your local animal shelter, but also give to the horse rescue groups who desperately need the money. And I have to tell you, I feel so blessed that I'm not only able to have these beautiful majestic creatures right outside my door, but that fortunately, thank goodness, and I'm knocking on wood here, I'm able to feed them, give them the love they need. But I have to tell you what they give back to me, you can't even put into words. The joy and the love is just indescribable. Exactly. The first horse I owned was a a beautiful old thoroughbred. Her name was Ellie. And She was my horse. I mean, I could take her anywhere. We would go riding up in the mountains. And um, I had a very strong bond with her, but she was already trained. She was already broke. But yeah, I see people and a lot of women, a lot of women are really connected to horses. And I don't really know why. Oh, I can tell you, it is our first love. And I can tell you firsthand that literally I was so obsessed from, I would say about age five to 16. And then all of a sudden, boys came into the picture. And for about two years, my love of horses waned a little bit, but then back in high gear. And I just absolutely obsessed and I love them. And I think what people need to understand, you mentioned they can live a long life well into their late 20s and early 30s. I have a friend that has a horse that just turned 40. And what I like to at least educate people to is that they have a second life, a second purpose after their initial purpose. And that's what Georgina and Valerie were saying that, you know, if they're not a show horse anymore, they can be a trail horse. If they're not a trail horse, they can be a companion horse. People need to understand that just because their initial purpose or the reason that maybe you fell in love with them, or if you're a competitor, it doesn't mean because that part of their life is over that their life is over. Exactly. They can become a school horse for kids. When our daughter turned seven, she wanted her own horse. So Dorothy got her this beautiful little pony, Shetland pony. And Jenna rode him. It was great. And then, you know, she outgrew him. And of course, my thought was, well, let's pass him on. And Dorothy said, no, he's been passed on seven or eight times. He deserves a life where he can retire. And he did. He was our barn buddy until we lost him like two years ago. That's why I love Dorothy. And that's why she's my kind of gal. And she picked the horse over the wedding. (laughs) Great information as always, Bill. And thank you everyone for tuning in to Rappaport to the Rescue. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.